0: Good morning, and welcome to the 7am Bible. This is Paul Chapman, and this is episode number 14. I hope you've had a good night's rest. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for waking us refreshed to another day. We thank you for your mercy and love, and we thank you for this opportunity we have to open your word together. We pray for your Holy Spirit to guide us in the understanding of it, Lord, and uh, take a lesson from it for us this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we've been going through the life of Jacob, in case this is your uh, first time tuning in. In the last episode, we looked at the domestic scam that cheated Jacob's brother Esau out of the birthright blessings. Jacob received that which all his life he had longed for, but he obtained it by fraud. Rebecca, his mother, came up with the plan, and rather than follow the voice of conscience, Jacob chose to follow the voice of his mother. Now despite his conscientious scruples, he deceived and lied to his father to obtain the coveted blessing. Now, as I mentioned in our last episode, it's true that uh, children should obey their parents in all things, as the Apostle Paul put it in Colossians three and verse 20, but only when they are in the Lord, as he said in Ephesians 6 verse one. And Rebekah, on this occasion, was not in the Lord. If her faith was resting in the Lord, she would not have resorted to deception to accomplish God's purpose. That's what I want to talk about this morning. God had told Rebekah before her twin sons were born that the older would serve the younger, indicating that Jacob would receive the preeminence in the family, and thus the birthright blessings due to the firstborn, despite the fact that he was not the firstborn. The birthright blessing meant a double portion of the father's wealth would go to the firstborn son, headship of the family, and more importantly to Jacob, the assurance that through his line of descendants, all nations of the earth would be blessed, in particular with the promised Saviour of the world, Jesus Christ. This was the blessing he craved, and he and his mother pondered it for years. Now, If my figures are correct, I believe Jacob was about 56 years of age, possibly even 76, depending on uh, how you count a certain period of time in a certain place that Jacob spent. At the time that he received, uh, that he deceived his father, Isaac was at least 116. And though that was old, it was not that old. Isaac was uh, 60 when Jacob was born, and it tells us in Genesis 35 verse 28 that the days of Isaac were 104 score years. That's 180 years old. But Isaac, feeling infirm with failing eyesight, had no idea how long he would live. Nor did Rebekah or Jacob. Perceiving that Isaac's plan to bless Esau was the only chance they would get to obtain the birthright for Jacob before Isaac died, they resorted to deception. But is deception ever okay? I mean, it was a worthwhile and justifiable purpose. Wouldn't that make it okay? Well, you know, Solomon wrote, In Ecclesiastes 3, after all, that, in from verse 1 I'm reading here, I want to read verse 1 to 8. It says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather together stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. So, If there's a time for every purpose under the heaven, is there a time to lie, even if it is for a good purpose? Well, to answer that, you need to remember that if Jacob was to receive the birthright blessings, then like his grandfather Abraham, he was to obey God. By faith, he was to walk a godly life and promote the knowledge of God in the world. Unlike the gods of the surrounding nations, where deception and betrayal is a part of deified life, what was El Shaddai like? Yahweh, God Almighty, the God of Abraham. Well, four centuries later, God declared his name to Moses, and with it, the attributes of his character. He says this in uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. It says the Lord Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. So here we have it. Note, God is abundant in goodness and truth. Now in Deuteronomy, Moses was inspired to write in a song of praise to God, He is the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4. So then, El Shaddai is a God of truth. All his ways are justice. That's the word mishpat in the Hebrew. David declared in Psalms 111 verses 7 to 8, 111 verses 7 to 8, The works of his hands are verity and judgment, which is justice. All his commandments are sure, they stand fast for ever and ever, and are done in truth and uprightness. And Balaam, a prophet at one time hired to curse the nation of Israel, was inspired to declare in Numbers 23 verse 19, God is not a man that he should lie. Did you hear that? Men and women lie. It's as if lying is such a profound characteristic of human nature that God uses it to distinguish himself from us. He does not lie. It's against his nature. He is a God of truth and justice. There is no deception with him that's why the psalmist writes of god in psalms 101 and verse 7 he that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house he that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight you know jacob who so much longed for the presence and blessing of god in his life was now at risk of losing it forever he came to experience the reality of the wise man's words in Proverbs 20 and verse 17. Bread of deceit is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. Now, I know what that tastes like, having come off my bike a few times and hitting the the uh, dirt face first, a mouthful of gravel is what I ended up with. You know, when God proclaimed his Ten Commandments, he gave us laws for our well-being. And the ninth of those commandments says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. In other words, thou shalt not lie against thy neighbor. That's in Exodus 20 and verse 16. Now, how far does this extend? Well, Jesus made it plain in Luke chapter 10. in verse. I'm reading from verse 25 to verse 28. It says here, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Now think about this for a moment. Would you lie to yourself? Would you take advantage of yourself? Would you try to cheat yourself out of something that is your due? No, not knowingly. But some people do when their desires get in the way of what is right. You know, the lawyer in Luke 10, willing. it says here, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus made it plain that our neighbor is anyone with whom we have to do anyone who needs our help, and certainly our own family members. When it comes to our words of assurance to each other, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for what is more than these cometh of evil. That's in Matthew 5.37. Now, Ellen White, uh, in her book, Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, comments on this. I'm reading um, from page 68 she writes this everything that christians do should be as transparent as the sunlight truth is of god deception in every one of its myriad forms is of satan and whoever in any way departs from the truth from the straight line of truth is betraying himself into the power of the wicked one yet it is not a light or easy thing to speak the exact truth we cannot speak the truth unless we know the truth. And how often preconceived opinions, mental bias, imperfect knowledge, errors of judgment prevent a right understanding of matters with which we have to do. We cannot speak the truth unless our minds are continually guarded by him who is truth. So, you know, Jacob knew that. But we'll see that he was yet to have that experience with God that would enable him to patiently do what was right and leave his destiny in God's hands. Alan White wrote on this experience in the book, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 180. I'm reading here, Jacob and Rebekah succeeded in their purpose, but they gained only trouble and sorrow by their deception. God had declared that Jacob should receive the birthright and his word would have been fulfilled in his own time had they waited in faith for him to work for them. But like many who now profess to be children of God, they were unwilling to leave the matter in his hands. Now that's the point here. When we take things into our own hands, we deny God the opportunity to prove his word to us. I've had professed Christians boast over their cleverness at deceiving their neighbor, even though for a good thing. But you know what? When we do that, we dishonor God and deny him the opportunity to work for us in such a way as we would give him all the glory. Instead, we end up taking the glory to ourselves. We need to learn what these words of Jesus means in Luke 21, verse 19. In patience, possess ye your souls. How different would it have been, I wonder, for Jacob if he and Rebecca had have done that? You know, Ellen White explains it this way. If Esau had received the blessing of his father, which was bestowed upon the firstborn, his prosperity could have come from God alone. And he would have blessed him with prosperity or brought upon him adversity according to his course of action. If he should love and reverence God like righteous Abel, he would be accepted and blessed of God. If, like the wicked Cain, he had no respect for God nor his commandments but followed his own corrupt course, he would not receive a blessing from God, but would be rejected of God as was Cain. If Jacob's course should be righteous... He should, if he should love and fear God, he would be blessed of God, and the prospering hand of God would be with him, even if he did not obtain the blessings and privileges generally bestowed upon the firstborn. So did you note that? Now that's from her book, Spiritual Gifts, uh, Volume Three, Page One Hundred and Fifteen. So did you note that that, um, that that that's what God would have done for Jacob, that he would have um, prospered. A Jacob, he would have given him the blessings and privileges that belong to the firstborn son, they would have come to Jacob somehow, some way, in God's time and way. You know, he would have done that for Jacob had Jacob patiently possessed his soul, and he can and will do that for you too if you possess your soul in patience. So, never deceive to save yourself or to get ahead in business or in life. Don't make lies your refuge. Let God be your refuge. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for our meditation this morning. We thank you for these words of... Life, words of comfort, words of hope, words of instruction, and we pray that we will uh, learn the lesson that's here for us today, that we will take you as our assurance, that we'll make you our refuge at all times, that no matter what happens in our life, no matter what uh, things that we think are ours or are due to us or what uh, endeavours that we are uh, endeavouring to accomplish in your name and for the good of this world, we just pray that you'll help us never ever to deceive anyone, Lord, deceive ourselves or deceive our neighbours, But always to look to you And let you guide us in all things And wait patiently for you Lord To work out your will for us In your time and way So may you do that for us this day we pray And we ask this in and through the name of Jesus Amen Well thanks for listening to the 7am Bible This has been Paul Chapman, and I trust and pray wherever you are today, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, have a great day. And don't forget, be prayerful, be careful, and take the Lord with you. Until next time, I look forward to you joining me for the next episode of the 7am Bible.